Thanks so much, Amy. Hi, friends. It's great to be here tonight. If we haven't met before, my name's Justin. I'm one of the student ministers here at Church by the Bridge. Um, so probably like some of you, I've had the chance over the years to do a little bit of traveling. But you know, um, one of the places that I really haven't had a chance to explore is the U.S., right? So, I mean, the U.S., when I look at it on the map, it is such a massive place. And you know, the sense I, I get from watching high-quality reality TV shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, is that it's a place which is just, it's got so much variety when it comes to people. Okay, so let me, uh, let me tell you a story, a story about something that happened in Florida at a greyhound race. Okay, so the dogs, they're all ready, they're all in their cages, and at the sound of a gun, the cages open and they're off, right? Can you imagine that? And they're chasing after this mechanical rabbit that runs along this track. And so basically, the mecha mechanical rabbit stays just fast enough in front of the rabbit, in front of the dogs, so that they keep on running, they keep on gall galloping forward, right? But then something, something happens at the first turn. What happens? The rabbit just explodes. It just explodes. It's pretty crazy, right? And all that's left in a few seconds is basically a lump of charred wires. So what happens to the dogs? Can you imagine it? They're all thrown into total confusion, right? Some of them stop running, some of them run into each other, some of them start running backwards, and then some of them start running into the walls, breaking bones. It's all pretty catastrophic. And you know what? Not a single dog finished the race. So why is this story so important? Well, here's the thing. See, people, you and me, can be a bit like greyhounds, right? I mean, we're all chasing after something, something to give us a reason to do what we're doing. Maybe it's a sense of belonging, or maybe you want to feel accepted. Or maybe for some of us, we're really driven and we want to achieve. But I mean, what happens when the very goal, the very thing that we're chasing after just blows up in our face? Some people have a midlife crisis. Some of us are, are left confused and disappointed and lost, right? And so we, we saw last week that the Apostle Paul had an exploding rabbit moment, didn't he? And so what was his mechanical rabbit? Do you guys remember? Well, it was his pursuit of the status of, of moral perfection, right? He thought that his own personal self-righteousness was the thing that mattered most. Because he thought that he could do all the right things and say all the right things. And by doing that, he could get right with God, didn't he? But then something big happened, right? And what was that? He realized that it was about being in relationship with God. And it wasn't about him and, and what he ultimately did, but it was about Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross for him rising to life. It was about knowing his creator, wasn't it? The Apostle Paul realized that, didn't he? But friends, you see, the story doesn't end there, does it? No, it doesn't. Because you see, that, my friends, is just the start. Because you see, God, he made us for a purpose, didn't he? He didn't make us to do nothing, did he? I mean, he didn't give us desires and ambitions for no purpose. But the problem is this, 
like greyhounds, we're all chasing after the wrong thing, right? And so what does Paul do after he stops chasing his mechanical rabbit? What does he do? Does he sit in his hands, do nothing? Does he put up his feet and live it up? No, he doesn't. What does he do? He runs a different race with a different goal. And what's that? Listen, because this is important. He starts pursuing the living God. I mean, friends, just have a look at me in verse 12. Turn to verse 12. It says this, Not that I've already reached the goal or am fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ. Brothers, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Wow, that is full on, right? I mean, you see what's going on there? I mean, don't you see the passion that Paul develops for the pursuit of what? The pursuit of maturity, right? And deeper connection with his creator. Because you see, the Apostle Paul, he's now got a new goal. And what's that? To grow in his understanding and experience of God, right? What's he doing? He's gunning for growth. He's pursuing God himself. And you see, friends, that's the heart of Christian maturity right there. You see that? So the truth is this. I have never been much of an athlete, and uh, my main problem was these. These legs of mine. They're a little bit short and slightly stumpy, right? Which means, one thing, they don't get me far for very long when I'm running. But you know what? I you know, try to stay fit, and I try to go for a jog around the block now and then. Uh, but, you know, the honest truth is, watching me run, it's pretty embarrassing for the entire neighborhood, that is. Why? Because I'm not that fast. And to say that would be a massive understatement. But here's another story. There was actually one time when um, I was actually running, and a, a car stopped about 50 meters in front of me, right? It was night, so it was, it was pretty dark. And so I thought the guy, you know, he pulled over 50 meters in front, and I thought that he was making a call, you know, stop the car, make a call. And I finally got to his car, which took some time, and uh, the window came down. And just imagine this, the window comes down, it's pitch black on the inside. And uh, he then says, out, out, out from inside the car, go, you beast. And I kind of thought, that is so, that, that's one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. But you know what? You know what I did? I thought to myself, whatever you do, don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. You've got to get home. You've got to keep running, right? Because you see, when we know God, and we realize that He's taken hold of us for a purpose, we don't stop running, do we? No, we don't. We keep running, but this time for the right reasons. Because we realize that our task is to pursue maturity and growth, right? That comes from that relationship. Because, I mean, you might have picked up on this already. But when you look at it, Paul's, what's Paul doing here? He's basically warning the Philippians against the lie that certain people were propagating amongst them that 
and he calls them enemies of the cross of Christ in verse 18. But basically, the lie was that spiritual perfection was somehow available to them. And so basically, all that they needed was to follow their Jewish laws and their customs, right? You see, the thing is this. These people thought that they'd arrived. They thought that they'd arrived at their destination. But what does Paul say? No, they haven't. They're arriving, but they haven't arrived. And, I mean, you see what he says in verse 12? Have a look again. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature. And then in verse 13, brothers, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. Because although he knows that, sure, right, he's, he's perfect in his relationship with God. But at the same time, he's still humbly growing into that relationship, right? I mean, think about it. It's kind of, I guess, like marriage. You know, if some, two people have met after 20 years, you know, they're not more or less married than the first day they got married, right? But the thing is this. In a healthy marriage, like any healthy relationship, really, you'd expect the two people to grow closer together, right? As the years go by. See, friends, I mean, the reality is this. You and I have truly experienced the freedom and love and grace that comes from knowing God, haven't we? But the thing is this, it's going to leave us wanting more, right? I mean, just think about it. You go to a cafe or a restaurant, you try something amazing, right? Something that just blows your mind. What do you do? You go back again for more, right? It's the same with knowing God. It makes us thirst and hunger for Him even more. So there's a pastor. His name's William Sloan Coffin, and he has to say this about the church. I mean, it's pretty confronting, but listen up, because this is what he says. The church is full of people who are seeking that which they've already found and only want to become that which they already are. Wow. Did you hear that? I mean, that is a rough assessment of the church, right? But friends, is it true? So my question is this, have you and I, let's reflect on ourselves, have you and I become smug and perhaps self-satisfied? Do we walk in here each week and think to ourselves, well, you know what, I've heard this all before. I mean, do we sort of get a kick out of coming to church and looking at the people either side of us and thinking to ourselves, you know what, I do so much more than the person next to me at church. And, you know, that makes me feel so much better about myself. Because if we're thinking like that, friends, because then that, if we're thinking like that, we are way out of step with where God wants us to be. But, friends, that's just the start. Because we can go further, can't we? Because what does... What does pursuing God look like? I mean, there's two things we can say here. Firstly, we need to forget what is behind and press on to what is ahead, right? I mean, you see what Paul says in verse 13? But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal. What's he saying? Well, He's saying that we shouldn't be held back by the past, right? 
We shouldn't let anything in our past be hindering our pursuit of God right here, right now. You see that? So friends, let me take you back to 1984, the Olympics. We're in Los Angeles, and American Greg Foster is the favorite to win the 110-meter hurdles. And so what's happening? Well, the media is hyping him up, right? And the hyping up the inevitable win, we're at the start of the race. The gun goes off, and the runners are charging off towards the hurdles, right? And so basically, you know, Greg, he's a little bit nervous, but he keeps the lead. And then something happens just before the finishing line. What happens? As Greg vaults over the last hurdle, he turns his head ever so slightly. But you know what? Big mistake. Because that move cost him a hundredth of a second. Do you see that was enough to lose the race to someone else? Friends, you see, the past can mean different things for all of us, doesn't it? I mean, for some of us, it holds good memories, great experiences with friends, perhaps it's birthdays or holidays or anniversaries, family gatherings. I mean, that's why I love being able to pull out the album, the photo album now and then and actually flick through it, right? Because it gives me this warm and fuzzy feeling of all the great things that have happened. But the truth is this. The past can be pretty dark, can't it? I mean, for some of us, the past hurts so much. We're plagued by memories of failure, memories of hopelessness, personal struggles, probably things that we don't even share with those who are closest to us, right? But I mean, what does Paul say here in verse 13? What's he say? He says, don't look back. Don't be caught up in past glories or past failures. I mean, sure, be thankful for all the good things that God's given us, but please don't let those memories of success leave us smug or self-satisfied. Or perhaps memories of failure and hurt leave us hopeless and paralyzed. Because you see, our call is this. Don't let anything get in the way of us pursuing to know and love God more. That's the first thing, friends. And the second thing I want to say is this. Growing in our relationship with God, it takes real effort, doesn't it? I mean, can you see the language that the Apostle Paul's using in verses 12, 13, and 14? Have a look. Look at the language. I make every effort to take hold of it. In verse 13, he's reaching forward to what is ahead. And then in verse 14, what's going on? I pursue as my goal. I mean, what's going on here? It's the image of an athlete fighting to get to the finishing line, isn't it? He wants the prize and he wants it bad. And so what? He trains for it. He's stretching and straining every muscle in his body. He's aggressive, he's energetic, he's focused. Can you see that? Because, I mean, the reality is this. Friends, we, we know this already, but we 
can't dabble in our pursuit of God, can we? And we've got to ask ourselves, do I devote myself to knowing Christ and being more like Him? In the same way that an athlete devotes him or herself to winning their events. Does knowing Christ and growing in Him, does it consume me? Or am I just dabbling when it's convenient? Do I want to grow not just occasionally, but all the time? You see, friends, there's something important here that I don't want us to miss. And what is it? You see, it's tempting to think that the heart of the Christian faith is ultimately about living a life of humility or love or sacrifice, isn't it? I mean, after all, when you look at the life of Jesus, that's what it looked like, right? But you know what? I, I get that. And I get that this might be a rude shock to you, but you see, the heart of the Christian faith isn't about those things. It just isn't. Because the heart and the core of the Christian faith, it's not about you, it's not about me or how we live. As important as that is. And we touched upon this earlier tonight, didn't we? Because the heart of the Christian faith is about God and what He's done in us. It's about that fundamental change in our identity, right? That He's carried out. And that's why the heart of the Christian faith is about who we are before it's what we do. You got that? It's about who we are before what we do. It's about an identity change, friends. See, that's at the heart of pursuing God. Let me explain. So during my uh, early teenage years, I was obsessed with basketball, right? And who was my hero? You guessed it, Michael Jordan. And so basically, I had the Air Jordan shoes, I had the number 23 singlet with shorts to match. I mean, it didn't matter that I was Asian and five foot five and had zero game. That didn't matter. I got in the court every Saturday morning and I thought I was Michael Jordan because I thought that dressing like him made me like him. You see, friends, that's just not how it works, right? And so in the same way, a Christian isn't someone who is ultimately defined by what they do or what they say or, or what they wear, right? But who they are because of what God has done in them. You got that? I mean, it's, it's like saying that going to church makes you a Christian is about as true as standing in a garage and calling yourself a car. Doesn't make sense, right? You see, and the Apostle Paul, he gets that, doesn't he? He gets that his pursuit of God is something which takes real effort, but it's grounded in his new identity in God. I mean, at the end of verse 14, what's he say? Have a look. He gets that he's in Christ. He gets that he's in connection with Christ, which means he has everything that he needs to live in a way which honors God. And then again in verse 20, he appeals to our identity, right? What's he say? But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
see that, friends? You see, that's why when it comes to pursuing God, Paul's basically telling us to be who you are. Be the renewed you. I mean, you see, when it comes to growing our walk with God, I think that Pastor John Piper puts it so well. This is what he says. He says this, Beholding is becoming. I know that sounds a little bit cryptic, but just stay with me on this, because what he's saying is that how do we become who God wants us to be? We behold the fullness of who He is first. We behold and we gaze upon and we gloriously look upon our gracious Savior who died in our place, who rose to life for us, who has given us new identities, who calls us citizens of heaven, who's going to, as we've been reminded in verse 21, who's given us this amazing hope where he says he's going to transform our humble, broken lives into the likeness of his glorious body. Friends, beholding is becoming. So friends, as we wrap up tonight, let me share with you a story that I heard a few years ago. It's about a couple who went to visit an orphanage in Russia, right? Because you see, the day had finally come for them to meet the children that they'd adopted. But you see, as they stepped into the orphanage, they immediately sensed that life there was difficult. I mean, the place was cold and it was dark. And as they looked at the faces of the people there, they could sense that there was a real sadness in all the children that were there. You see, for the children that they were about to adopt, that was all about to change, right? Because these children were about to leave that world and step into a completely different world where they had everything that they ever needed. But you see, here's the thing. What the couples noticed was that as they were sitting down during mealtimes, none of the children ever spoke. And it took them some time to work it out. But the children would sit around and they would eat silently and they would eat quickly. And what they realized was that in the orphanage, the food that they had, if they didn't finish it quickly enough, it'd be taken away by other children or other caretakers. And so what happened was it was a bit of a process for these kids to be reminded that they weren't orphans anymore that they weren't people who were in need of basic things, that their food would never be taken away from them ever again in the way that it was before. Why? Because they belonged to a family. They had a mum and a dad who loved them, and that was one thing that their parents wanted for them, for them to live out their new identity as dearly loved children. So friends, as we seek to grow in our relationship with God, let's do it by remembering that we have an amazing God who has done something amazing in us. And as that reality soaks in, let us humbly and honestly search our hearts and ask ourselves, have, have we been chasing mechanical rabbits? Is it time to start pursuing the living God who loves us, who gave His best at our worst Let's forget what is behind and press on to take hold of what God has purposed in us and for us.
friends, shall we pray?